Good morning, Joe. How are you doing today? I'm well, thanks, Richard. It's a sunny day. It's a good day. It's good to be chatting. That's right. I did a little bit of Bible reading and prayer out on our deck today, uh, oh. in trying to enjoy the sunshine. Bring all Were my. You cold? No, no, it was fine. Oh. The sun was out. Oh, okay. Sorry, I interrupted you. You're bringing on your. Bring all my worries to God, Joe. <laughs> that is the important thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So feeling good. Oh, um, great. So, uh, yeah, what's been going on in uh, coronavirus world for you, Joe? Well, I was talking last week about seeing the ships on the harbour and mm. I have made another discovery in Newcastle that I actually like Islington Park. Wow, um, okay. Yep. I know, I've changed, I've changed. I used to drive past Islington Park all the time and you would never go there because it was not a safe place to go mm. and this was maybe 10 years ago, so it's a long time ago. Oh, um, I was there even longer. <laughs> 20, 20 years ago, I would. We keep not... going back to, back to our right, Newcastle past. history. Yeah, uh, yeah. you'd never. Yeah, well, you wouldn't go that area because it was it was just not a safe place to be. But um, I went for a walk in Islington Park. There were beautiful bike paths. There was a kids' playground, which if I'd had a child, I would have tested out. But I don't have a child with me, so I looked at. And there was a boat. You know, whenever they've got a boat at a playground, I think, yeah. well, that's pretty good. Yeah, there's a little bridge over water. Oh. And you can walk down either side of the the creek. Yeah. Is it Throsby? Throsby it Creek? Is the Throsby yep. Creek. Um, you can walk either side. One's got a path, one's got not got a path um, in terms of concrete. But, yeah, I really enjoyed it. The dog park, people's dogs were loving life that day. So yep. I was like, oh, man, I should move to Maryville or Ties Hill. So or the, there were no shopping trolleys in the creek? Islington. <laughs> You know, I was in such a good mood, I probably wouldn't have noticed. <laughs> <laughs> I was only seeing the positives because I discovered a new place with beautiful fig trees and yeah. what more could I want? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. Good to make those new discoveries, new parks. Yeah. I, I yeah. Find those lovely. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Uh, yeah, I've been, um, this week I have been trying to decrease my Facebook usage. This has Ooh. been, uh, you know, coronavirus, COVID time. I spent a lot of time on Facebook, and uh, which is is fine. But I was, I think, feeling like maybe it was getting to me a little bit. Maybe just a little bit of anxiety. Not the, com- I don't think the comparison so much, but just a little bit of there's stuff going on, and uh, maybe maybe some distractibility as well. I was finding myself <laughs> going down into, uh, yeah, um, various rabbit Warren, rabbit Warren's <laughs> little posts about uh, weird signs in Asia and stuff like that, all, all harmless. But, uh, yeah, I was chatting to someone and they said, oh, you should watch this. There was this, like a TED Talk called Why You Should Quit Social Media, which was kind of funny. Ah. And uh, so I thought, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it. It's just the last few days. Gonna, I'll just I'll check in the morning because sometimes I post things or there's stuff with um, you want to know what's going on. A little bit in the evening. It's not total cold turkey, but just a little bit morning, a little okay. bit in the evening. And just like put it away, yeah. So, right. um, so you're this, doing a light restriction rather a, than a complete rejection. Yeah, yeah. It's not a complete shutdown. Just a kind of reduction. And uh, so far, it's going well. I don't know if it'll. If I'll, I'm getting a little more focus in the day. Yeah, uh, a little less worry. But um, yeah, it's not. It's not like a vow or anything. I'm just <laughs> cutting back. <laughs> Have I ever told you about my Facebook strategy? No, I'm interested. Oh, okay. Well. One day I was sitting down talking to a girlfriend, Jess, and we were talking about how I just find Facebook frustrating and it doesn't help me be godly with my thoughts. Mm -hmm. And she was like, oh, what if you unfollowed everyone? (laughs) 
And right. so I have unfollowed every single one of my friends on Facebook. So my feed is basically empty. There would be one or two posts a day and then you get to the bottom of your feed and it says no more posts or something like that. Oh, wow. But it means that I can go and look at someone else's page. I'm thinking, oh, I wonder what Jess is up to. Yeah. I can go and look at Jess's page, but I don't ever have anything kind of forced upon me and uh-huh. I don't spend a lot of time like just that kind of mindless scrolling. It yeah. has been so good. I totally, I'm, I tell everyone about it. It is scary how often I <laughs> rave about my Facebook approach. Yes. But um, it has made me a happy soul for the last couple of years on Facebook. So you're still friends with all these people? You haven't unfriended oh, yeah, yeah. people? And I genuinely enjoy going and looking at someone's post occasionally if I yeah. think of them yeah. by name, but I, I never see anything on my feed. Yeah, well, well, that is very interesting. That might be the next level for me to uh, start unfollowing. But, Although uh, if you've got self-control to just have a little bit in the morning, a little bit at night, maybe you don't need it. It was for me, it was just that mm. I'd, I'd get, I'd look at Facebook at the times when I was tired and grumpy and I would think tired <laughs> and grumpy thoughts about people. <laughs> That's just not good. Yeah, I, I can see why that would be, uh, that would be uh, a problem. Um, well, very good. Okay, let's uh, move along. Uh, what have you been reading in the Bible lately, Joe? Well, I'm taking a little break from Hosea um, mm-hmm. in my quiet time because uh, I'm working on something in Hosea at the moment and yeah. wanted to just have a bit of a break. So I love reading like whole books at a time, like big overview. And so this week I've been reading and rereading Amos. Actually. Oh, wow. Great. Um, yep. Yeah. So Amos, I've discovered, was a guy from the south. He's in like verse one, it talks about he's from Tekoa, which from what I can understand is in Judah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's, I think it's near Hebron. Do you know? No, I, I've yeah. looked it up and I, I've got a feeling people aren't 100% sure where it is. A little bit of yeah. guesswork there. There was two different places it was referenced and I thought, oh, I'm not sure. Um, so Amos is this guy. He's thought to be a shepherd and he's talking during the time of Uzziah or a.k.a. Azariah, which mm. is confusing that they have two different names for this guy oh, yeah, in the that, Old Testament. That always gets me, these multiple names. <laughs> Azariah or Azariah um, in Judah and Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, which is Jeroboam II for anyone who's playing along and yeah. likes to know that which king is Jeroboam. Is it the young guy or the old guy? Um, <laughs> it's the younger one. Um, anyway, so he's writing um, to the north, they think. Yeah. Um, and I found that really interesting that a guy from the south is being sent by God to speak to the north, mm. um, Israel. Yeah, so I've enjoyed it. What did you? What was interesting about that? Well, a south guy going north. Well, what I found particularly interesting was that the whole book is talking about the woe that's coming to all the different nations. So that's the first couple of chapters, and then Judah and Israel, and you can see. God's not happy with um, Israel and what they've been doing. Mm. And particularly Amos chapter 5 verse 24 stood out to me, um, let justice roll like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Mm. He, God's going to step in and judge. And I think what interests me about this and the fact that he's from the south is chapter 9. So, there's been all these statements differentiating between Judah and Israel. Mm. And then right at the end, there's this really fierce, you know, verses about how God will totally destroy the descendants of Jacob. This is like chapter 9, verse 8. Yeah. But then in chapter 9, verse 9 and 10, 
it's there's something there about all the sinners among my people will die by the sword. Yeah. So maybe just the sinners will die, verse 10. Mm. But then verse from verse 11 um, to, to the end, there's this picture of God bringing the people back from exile yeah. and some kind of restoration. And so it's gotten me thinking, what Israel are we talking? Are we talking the Northern Kingdom Israel? Are we talking God's people established way back in Abraham's time, like the God's people Israel, the whole full, um, yeah, Israel that we are brought into kind of Israel and and I wondered if it, him being from the south is significant in that because we know that the the southern nation Judah is brought back from exile. Yeah. And so yeah. What do you think? Yeah. No, I I think it's re- that's a really interesting dynamic in in Amos this this southerner coming in uh mm. to the north and there's that bit in chapter 7 where the locals say <laughs> get out of here, you know. <laughs> Amaziah, the priest, goes to the Jeroboam. He's like dibber-dobbing. He's like, hey, this guy's coming and talking about us. Yeah. So he's he's hostile. He's going in as the outsider. um, Yes. Trying to break all this bad news to people. Um, But, yeah, I think you do see in, I mean, one of those themes of Amos is interesting, just the the northern kingdom, those tribes, are they, is there hope? Is there no hope? Um, Yes. That real tension. Yes. Um, And I think that I've found that. It's a question we were discussing recently, mm. just what is the nature of the northern kingdom after it's destroyed by Assyria? Is there what is what is the ongoing nature of that those people there? Um, anyway. Yeah. It's a, a new question for me that I'm enjoying thinking through and reading about. And Yeah. Did you know Amos that um, I was reading in Luke last week and I came yep. across the the uh, the lady Anna in Luke chapter two, and do you oh. know what, do you know what tribe she's from? No, this is heavy Bible trivia. That one I wouldn't. <laughs> she's from the tribe of she's from the tribe of Asher, which is one of the northern tribes. Oh, so up um, north, yeah, yeah. So there's there's a glimmer of hope. Anna, tribe of Asher, they're waiting in Jerusalem to uh, to meet the Messiah. Anyway, that will have to yeah. I'll leave you a look. That's into fascinating, that Richard. <laughs> yeah. All right, what have you been reading? All right, uh, reading, yep, COVID, enjoying lots of reading. Uh, at the moment, reading a book, uh, it's a biography of the theologian Leon Morris called One Man's mm. Fight for Love and Truth by Neil Buck. Um, That's a big title, One Man's Fight for Love and Truth. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, uh, one of those books. And we've got, um, uh, I was keen to read this because uh, Leon Morris is, uh, I'm a bit of a fan of his. He's probably Australia's most well-known, best, greatest evangelical scholar. Like mm. uh, he um, was famous, I lived from 1914 to 2006, and really he was famous for defending the doctrine of the cross. Uh, he wrote this great book called Apostolic Preaching of the Cross, which was a bit mm-hmm. academic, a bit scholarly, but he that's where he did all the hard work that we kind of build on uh, or depend on today and things like what is redemption what is reconciliation what is the new covenant in relation to the cross mm. um, and particularly what is propitiation um, defending propitiation against uh, a lot of alternative views through the 20th century fascinating uh, yeah and so i came across this biography i thought oh this would be be good i should know a bit more about leon morris um but he's from lithgow shout out to any lithgow people there <laughs> wow <laughs> i didn't know that yeah and uh 
yeah, uh, married for 62 years, uh, never had children, interesting, um, ah, okay. and was a, the long-time principal of Ridley College down in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, and uh, I think just, just the things I enjoyed about reading this was just being in that world of the 1940s, 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, and the things he did, like he'd be on committees for scripture union and summer camps and Bush Church Aid and Billy Graham Crusades and um, just all this ministry going on. Um, that was fascinating. Like he's a hardworking guy. Mm. And and the travel as well. Like he he would go to the USA, to South America, to England, and, uh, you know, he was teaching and training people like um, Carson um, and, uh, yeah, giving talks on the cross, writing commentaries on the Gospels, meeting with students, uh, encouraging, you know, the love of the Bible, the love of theology and, uh, yeah, trust in God's word like throughout um, all these places. And so, um, yeah, I was encouraged. I think if our listeners were to look into any Leon Morris books, I'd recommend um, one called The Atonement, Its Meaning and Significance, which is kind of like a, a, a easy-to-read version of some of his other stuff. And uh, even though it's a few years old, like you just get that real benefit of reading something that's a few decades old. It uh, speaks into our culture as well as, as, well as ever. And I think if, if Christians ever think, oh, yeah, I've got the cross, I've got that sorted, uh, that's always dangerous. Um, we always got to be hungry to know more of the cross. And so it's mm. a good one. Wow. Did it, did, curious question. Did he, in the, auto, in the biography, speak much of Morris's wife? What was she like? Did she travel with him or did she stay at home? What was their ministry oh, relationship? Yeah. yeah, she was amazing. Her name was Mildred and they met at university and uh, – she was a great support for him. So they uh, cared for theology students, college students, heaps, always having people in their home, always traveling around, visiting, helping. Uh, she traveled with him to the USA and to England. Um, yeah, always supporting him, always giving wise advice. Uh, he writes sometimes of missing her in the times when they're away. Um and uh, yeah, so yeah, she what did, a partnership had this incredible role in supporting yeah. and helping him. Um, oh, she, that's great. She died in two thousand and three. Um, he had dementia towards the end of his life, which I haven't read that bit yet, but I'm looking forward to reading that. And then he he died a few le- years later in two thousand and six. I just I I think of so many amazing ministry partnerships, and you, um, yeah, I, I'm always inspired to hear about their marriage and how that formed a backbone to um, the ministry that was done. Yeah. Oh, great. Oh, that sounds good, Richard. Yeah. So uh, biography of Leon Morris, um, yeah, he's a great guy. I can be thankful for him. Oh, wonderful. Well, it's been great chatting today, Joe. Yes. Good to hear about Leon Morris. (laughs) Facebook chats. Yeah. (laughs) Fun times. All right. You have a great week. I'll chat next week. Sounds good. See ya. Bye.